0: Today's show is brought to you by Delicious Obsessions. Real food, real life, and real delicious. Deliciousobsessions.com
1: You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, which can be found on our website at treyerwilderness.com and also on iTunes. Welcome to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where we are homesteading traditionally 100% off-grid today and offering preparedness and survival tips for tomorrow. Here's your host, Tammy Treyer.
0: Welcome, everyone. So glad to have you joining me today. It is another nice day here in northern Idaho. We are very blessed. And I just wanted to remind you all, um, if you haven't taken the chance to go to our website and check out treyerwilderness.com slash extra mile or go to gofundme.com slash camp patriot, I really would appreciate it if you would. We are still training, gearing up here. Um, to get out and do our 5k and remember we aren't running it we're actually hiking it and we will have 100 pounds on our back and I'm real excited about this this has forced me into the routine and the exercise routine that I have been wanting to get into for a long time And It feels awesome, and trust me, packing 100 pounds is not an easy task, but we are really grateful to have the opportunity to do this to help our wounded and disabled veterans, and we thank all of you for your awesome donations, petedryer.com, thesurvivalmom.com, bullpacks.com, all we've had such great donors and we thank every one of you and I wanted to mention also bullpacks.com has donated one of their bull packs. It is a pack frame which is amazing for your hunting and trekking and it's what I'm using to pack my hundred pounds and is really awesome, very durable, and like I've said before, sometimes you just need to make that investment in a great product, and this is one we recommend, and for every $25 you donate, you get an entry in the drawing for the Bullpacks frame, so um, keep that in mind. There is something coming back to you for your donation, but we really need to pay more homage to our veterans, and especially our wounded and disabled veterans, so I encourage you to help us out. Like I said, we are trying to raise $25,000 because we felt our donations of the $35 entry fee just wasn't enough. And we have a big enough audience. We hope that you guys will help us. So with, we're going to move on here. I have an amazing guest, and I'm really excited to have her join me. And I know she will share a lot of fantastic information with you. I have Lisa Morano from feathersinthewoods.com, as well as com. so lisa thank you so much for joining me
2: oh thanks for having me
0: lisa does all kinds of amazing homesteading things also and she's got a lot to share with us on her chickens. so lisa i'm just going to open up the floor and if you would share with my audience how you got started and what you do with your homesteading
2: uh okay well um I guess it, it started, uh, you know, forty some years ago. My grandfather taught me how to grow cucumbers, and I was like <laughs> five years old. Um, <laughs> the only thing I remember really from their house that loving you know, tomato sandwiches every summer. And after I got old enough, my mom, even though we had this huge suburban backyard, never grew food. <laughs> she would plant fresh flowers every year, never food. So with my first house came my first garden. And um, I have grown food for myself, you know, just seasonally. But since then, I remember, um, this just came up in conversation the other day. It happened to be about 23 years ago. And um, I remember because of where I lived, I used to have to order herbs from a specialty place you had to call them to order because, you know, we didn't have online then. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just fell in love with herbal preparations, with making my own teas, with what I feel was a better way to take care of myself. Yes. And so flash forward to when I ended up moving to 25 acres about eight years ago. And, um, that ball just sort of started rolling ever since and it's just kind of taken over. <laughs> <laughs> awesome,
0: awesome. It's amazing how our and, roots um, our roots stick with us and kind of continue to grow as we age. I love it.
2: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> well, you know, moving up here from the suburbs of Pittsburgh was completely different. I mean, at first it was like living at camp. You had a nice house, but you were, you know, still in – I'm in the woods, <laughs> but there's also farms very close by, you know, corn farms and all that. And, um, you know, there's cows, you can hear them at night, horses and next-door neighbors. Well, the neighbors are three acres away, but you know what I mean. Exactly. <laughs> but um, it was odd being here, but the, the one thing I found the biggest problem was the ticks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania. Like I said, I'm right by the National Forest, right by State Game Lands. Deer ticks are so bad. Lyme disease here is crazy. Within the first summer, one of our dogs had Lyme disease. Um, By the end of the first year, my son had Lyme disease.
0: Um,
2: So then I heard about guineas, and I found three guineas. And my husband traveled. Well, I, bu- I found them online. And I went and I got them. And my husband traveled. So I built this huge chicken coop structure. But it was mainly like it was mainly like a huge cage. But it was like 10 feet tall by 10 feet long. I mean, it was really big. And I put these guineas in there and they stayed there for two months till he came home and built me a real coop with a door, but um, I had these guineas, and, and I was afraid they were going to fly away, so I got an incubator, and I started hatching chickens. Well, the next year, I let those guineas out over the winter, and, and the next year, we had no ticks at all, yep. so when they started laying eggs, I decided to start hatching them, and everybody that found out I had guineas bought them. I, I didn't mean to sell them. It was just, oh, I can't find them anymore. Oh, can you just sell them me? you can hatch more? Well, yeah, I can hatch more, so I would sell them. So by the end of the year, I needed, decided I needed about 10 more because a business was born. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's how I got in the business of guineas. And uh, those three guineas turned into what is now 80 birds.
0: Wow.
2: Um, three different breeding flocks of chickens and then um, two sets of guineas. Nice. But... Um, you know, the the little garden they had here when, when we moved in, uh, I slowly had that made bigger and bigger and bigger. And I went from just growing those tomatoes and cucumbers to tending the apple trees that were here and learning to can things and working on my grapevines, which I never seem to get very successful with. But, but I get some out of them, you know. <laughs> And uh, the garden just keeps getting bigger, and uh, I've started to, since now that I can grow my own herbs, I've started to make a lot of my own salves and a lot of my own teas, and it's nice I don't have to buy them because that got expensive. But, um, yeah, I grow pretty much, I'd say about 60% of our food in the summer is grown here. Nice. Um, other than, you know, the staple stuff that you have to buy in the store, because I'm not grinding wheat, but, um, right. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we grow a lot here, and we can a lot for winter, and, um, you know, we, we have the chickens here, we have them for eggs, but I do sell their children. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I'm evil. Yeah, I sell their children. I have, uh, two big incubators, and I can hatch up to 600 a month. Wow. And, um... Well, you know, the backyard chicken movement is really big right now. Yep. People want to take control of their food, and I believe they have that right. And um, most of them only want hens, but that's okay because I have a group of people. There's a lot of Amish around here. There's auctions. I can easily get rid of any boys to people that will grow them out, and they do become dinner. Yep. But, um, you know, it's... I always think of it, I read it somewhere, somebody said my birds only have one bad day their whole life. (laughs) Other than that, they're happy, they're healthy, they run around outside, they don't live in a factory, they don't live in a cage, they're not in a steel building with 400 other chickens. So um, I believe that every animal we grow and we turn into a dinner is one less dinner you're buying in the store.
1: Yep,
2: yep. And while I do believe that, that... Factory farming is absolutely terrible, the way chickens are treated, the way um, meat and egg production facilities run. I understand it is a necessary evil for the sheer volume of people who want those products. But there's also a bunch of people who are waking up and saying, hey, wait. I don't want my food to come that way. I'd rather get my eggs from my backyard and know they're healthy. They're realizing the food tastes better. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that grow out chickens, take them somewhere to be butchered. They don't do it themselves. That's fine too, yeah. you know, but it's a much healthier product. It's better for you. It's better for the chicken, yeah. you know. So that's my, my goal with, with the chickens here is to provide as many guineas For tick control and as many chickens as I can for, um, like I said, the boys, they hatch out 50-50. You cannot hatch girls without boys. Right. And um, so, but I have a list of people that will gladly take extra boys and, and grow them out for food, and I think that's... It's it's much better than the meat grinder thing that they do at the factories, so, you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's awesome that you're providing that. Um, You know, a lot of people that are wanting to do chickens, if they're in town, they can't have the roosters, you know. They're, you know, a lot of the rules are that they eliminate the noise making, you know, so the rooster can't. So going in the freezer is a great alternative, and we've done the same thing here also, and And, you know, honestly, I feel every animal was put on this earth for a reason. You know, God had a design, and that's you know the intention and like you said if they they have one bad day of their life you know and, and they're providing us with a healthy meal so the other thing that you mentioned too that was really um, important to me is the guineas and the tick control because i have so many friends that have lyme disease and i see what it's doing to them and this is just it's really horrible and to be able to have an animal that can simply eliminate that problem because the deer ticks in pennsylvania like you said is just something awful and and I wanted to ask you, were you able to catch your son soon enough that you were able to um, get rid of it with the antibiotics, or, or did you have to do other things?
2: Uh, my son actually did end up in Children's Hospital for two days, because oh. ironically they found it when he slipped going into the duck pen oh, and um, fell on his knee. And um, two days later, he's still limping, but he was walking fine, so the one knee swelled up and I took him down to the doctor and they said, "You yeah, go get that x-ray." And it was funny cuz the swollen knee is how they determined he had Lyme's disease, but the other knee had the crack in it. Oh wow. So, <laughs> but um yeah, they they think limping on the the sore one, the, putting the pressure on the other leg is what aggravated the Lyme's. Oh wow. And um he did have a tickle on him about two months before. There wasn't a bullseye. I didn't know until we actually got to the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh that there's a good 50% of people do not get that bullseye rash. Oh, yeah. I was sure I had to look for that rash, and that was it.
0: Yeah. No. And
2: – um You know, we had actually just got the guineas a little before that, and they were still in their cage, so I can't blame them for not doing their job, (laughs) but, um, you know, one of the reasons I got the guineas is because we do have 25 acres, and we've got this nice big cleared area, but then we've got a whole lot of woods, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do for your woods, nothing. You can have your yard sprayed, but I want to have an organic garden, so I don't want that sprayed right next to my garden. I don't want to... I walk around barefoot, I don't want to walk through that, and I was afraid of what the spray could possibly do to the dogs if they're licking it off their paws, if they're, you know, my cat likes to go out sometimes, and that's how we ended up with the guineas, because they were really the only option of organic tick control.
0: Yeah, and it's so simple, you know, they free-range all day long, you know, you don't need to feed them a whole lot, and... And they are great protection. We had a guinea out here, and they're like an, a great alarm system. Somebody comes around, or there's something different, or out of the un, you know the norm. Boy, they let you know.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, they were screaming the other night, and I couldn't figure out why. And I thought I heard a thump, but. I didn't go outside because we have bells, and if you drive down to the house, it, it rings at various, you know, okay. intervals. Okay. And um, so I figured nobody came down the driveway. I'm thinking it's a deer or something. Well, a bear had gotten in my garbage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that upset the guinea. <laughs> and the ones in the trees were letting me know at you know, midnight, hey, there's a bear out here.
0: <laughs> yeah, they don't miss much. They really don't. <laughs> they're good they're good alarm systems. No, I'd
2: figure they'd be asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need to take a short break and we will be right back to continue talking with Lisa.
3: Okay, everyone. Instead of our weekly sponsors, I am going to share with you our winners. I'm sure you've all been waiting to hear the winners of our 100th podcast giveaway. Um, just for the record, everyone that has won should have received an email. So if your name is mentioned and you have not received your email, please email me at survive at Real quick, I'm going to run down the list so we don't have a very long podcast here. winner is P. Blair. And it is for the Mitzi Weinman, It's About Time, Transforming Chaos into Calm, A to Z. Second person and winner is S. Wright. And they won Anne Grady's 52 Strategies for Life, Love, and Work. H. Zimmer won Kathy Bryant's book, The Crossroads. Karen C. won Leanne Edmondson's Aftermath. M. Hagler won. One Robert Vera's A Warrior's Faith. P. Wiemeyer won Jessica Knowles' Combo Pack: The Homemade Beauty Essentials and Chicken Hot Topics. R. Crank won Bonnie Rose Ward's Wind of Skilac Ebook. D. Dowling won Kendra Lynn's At Home Canning DVD. John won Angie Schneider's The Garden Notebook. D. Webb. One Sharon Peterson's Combo, The Pantry Journal and Simply Canning ebooks. L. McCubin won Melissa Norris's Pioneering Today ebook. A. Noskowiak, I hope I didn't butcher that on you, One, Joyce Pierce's All They Need to Know ebook. M. Hedgecock, Won Jim Cobb's Prepper's Financial Guide. T. Spulhof won Jessica Espinosa's Herbal Coffee Sampler and her book Keeping It Real. M. Buchanan won Randy Lewis's No Greatness Without Goodness. Johnny won Chris Bordessa's Off the Shelf. C. Felderworth won Leon Pantenberg's Multi-Pack of the Wallet Fire Starters. K. King won Jason Mateus's Seeds for Generations $25 gift certificate that you can use towards their wonderful heirloom seeds. B. Shiver won Juliana Crowder's gift certificate for a girl in a gun club. Pat won Bernie Carr's How to Prepare for the Most Emergencies on a $50 budget. T. Polderman Won Chris Devance's Meet Jamie Now: A Life Free of Autism. W. Boudreaux won one of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Tim won a copy of The New Pioneer magazine. J. Keith won the American Frontiersman magazine. K. Kerwin won a copy of The Backwoodsman magazine. C. Smith won a copy of Prepare magazine. Valerie won a copy of Self-Reliance Illustrated. B. Be Led Better won a copy of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. B. Stort won a copy of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. And Marty also won a copy of Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Those of you that were listed with first names, I'm going to confirm the email that was utilized for the giveaway. So hopefully there won't be any confusion there, but that was all we had to go with to list and to announce. So I do have the email to confirm, but Hope you all received your emails. Congratulations. Um, I had added three extra gifts to the giveaway, and I'm so thankful for all of you. Like I've always said, our time is extremely valuable, each and every one of us, and I'm just so overly grateful that you take time out of your busy schedule to listen to my show every week. So thank you again, and I hope that um, you all enjoy the shows. There's so many great people coming our way, and we will get back to today's show. So thank you again, and congratulations to all the winners.
0: Okay, we are back, and we are speaking with Lisa Morano, and Lisa is a wealth of information on her chickens and guineas, and Lisa, I would love to open the floor up for you to share some of the hot topics on, on either, if you'd like.
2: Well, the hottest topic right now is avian influenza, unfortunately. And, um, I've always been big on biosecurity. A few years back, I decided to become a poultry technician, which basically means I'm one of the people that can draw blood for the state of Pennsylvania and send it in to have it tested. Yeah. And, um, they made us go through, you know, sit there for hours learning yeah. about biosecurity. And, um, what I find absolutely fascinating is that, um, it is the most innocent thing that can cause your flock the biggest problem. In our state, the um, bird shows have been closed for the year. Uh, they've been – private flocks are still happening, but any type of organized event, like any of the shows, any of the competitions, even the 4-H, county fairs, those are all off-limits right now. Wow. Um, a lot of people, it's giving them a, save, a little bit of a um, false sense of security, um, and I've been talking to a lot of people about that. What they don't realize is if somebody has a disease on their, on their property, and they leave their property and they drive to the farm show, and oh. you drive to the farm show after them, oh, wow. and the person gets out of their vehicle and they walk around, and you get out of your vehicle and walk around. Well, if you walk through where they walked, drove through what they drove through, you could track it back. You could very well take back whatever disease. And while we don't know what's exactly spreading the AI right now, that's one of the biggest things. And I've been a big advocate for drive through the car wash on the way home. Take your shoes off before you get out of your, you know, get back in your car. You know, just do everything you can to, um, you know, clean your shoes after you get home before you put them back on. Do everything you can to keep your birds safe because, and it's not just AI. There are other, um, diseases out there for birds and other livestock uh there's a a horse thing right now i don't myself have horses but my neighbor's been all upset about a a a lot of horse shows are canceled this year too because of some other like i said i don't know exactly what it is but it's spreading through the horse community and um so biosecurity to me is is huge and it's really yeah it it doesn't hurt you to drive through and your car will be clean after you know (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> but uh, it guarantees that you get anything washed on your vehicle off. And it seems like it's way overkill technically. I mean, you think about it, there's a really small chance, but there is that chance. Right. And um, so that's something I've been very passionate about lately.
0: Yeah. Oh, I don't blame you there. You know, I mean, and that, I you could, and I'm, you could use, lose your whole flock.
2: Right, and depending on what exactly they contract, some places, um, commercial facilities are different because they're usually steel and concrete buildings. But our wood coops, some of them can't be um, deemed safe for several years afterwards. Sometimes the whole property needs shut down. You know, and if our animals are running through the dirt, there's a longer chance. There's a chance that a disease would stay longer even after the flock is gone, and you know, sometimes your quarantine period is several years. Wow. So nobody wants to have to stare at an empty coop for three years. You know what I mean?
0: Wow, yeah, no kidding. Wow. So it's,
2: it's just a little, It like I said, it's a simple thing, but nobody really thinks about it because it just seems like such a remote possibility. But it's spreading somehow. Wow. 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 <laughs> nobody really knows how right now. So
0: Wow, I didn't realize everything was shut down in PA like that. That's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, they announced the... the um, shows shut down. They announced it I think about a week and a half ago.
0: Hmm. Wow. wow. What are some of the things that you are pretty frequently asked as far as caring for the chickens or um, being able to get something started in your area?
2: You know mostly people are just I get a lot of people who are doing this for the first time. Okay. So I get asked all the simple setup tips and all that stuff and I really think they enjoy well I know they like it because they do it all the time. They call me All the time with every question. (laughs) I sometimes log on to Facebook to 15 personal messages, and um, they're all, this chick did this, this one did that. Can you look at this picture? Is this a roo or a hen? You know, (laughs) it's a little bit everything. I think they really appreciate being able to talk to somebody. Because you buy chicks through the mail, you buy them at the feed store, they don't always know the answers, you know. Right. And um, so I, I get a lot of questions Predators have been a big problem Um, over our past winter. We froze for probably about a month and a half. I don't think it went over freezing for more than a day, which is a lot for us. You know, we had uh, several feet of snow here for a long period of time it it just never it just never melted off and so um the little animals weren't coming out so the bigger animals couldn't eat them and uh there was a pretty bad fox problem around here the hawks are bad
0: wow yeah the
2: hawks have been really bad
0: yeah, yeah but we... um,
2: it's getting a little better now the wa- weather's warming up okay
0: yeah you guys got our yeah. winter this year <laughs> <laughs>
2: You can have it next year. We'll send it back.
0: Okay, good, because I missed my snow. I'm one of those psychos that likes the snow.
2: (laughs) Well, I like it, but after, like, a month of it straight when I'm, like, I'm getting, and I have a gator, because, you know, when you're carrying around 50-pound feed bags, it's just easier to throw it in there. Right. And with the snow, you need, like, the four-wheel drive. And I would actually drive around the yard every two or three days just to make tracks so I could walk in the tracks. (laughs) Because it was, like, you could, it was a struggle to walk 20 feet every time the snow was. It would warm up enough to rain, and then it would snow again. So then you're Uh, stepping through an inch of fluff, and then you're going through this ice crust. uh, and yikes. (laughs) And you're going all the way down to your knees, and I mean, it was just... It was a mess, but it was bitter cold. I didn't lose any birds to the cold this year.
0: That was my next question, okay. Which,
2: um, <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's the funny thing about guineas. They are originally from Africa, but they're incredibly cold-hardy. Okay. I actually have a picture on my blog of these little goofballs. One night they refused to come in when it was raining, and I kept trying to chase them in because I knew it was getting down to freezing. Well, the next day they're running around with frozen pieces of ice all over their back you know (laughs) so I have a picture of them with ice all over them they didn't care Uh, but yeah they're incredibly cold hardy I don't know how
0: that's funny but
2: they do well in the winter yeah ours
0: did okay too he didn't have any problems out here he got an owl got him but you know the weather didn't sadly but yeah now do you have ducks also or just the chickens and the guineas
2: I have over the years had Pekin ducks, Khaki Campbell ducks, Sebastopol geese and button quail. Okay. And right now we're just chickens and guineas. Okay. Um, my ducks liked us too much and so did the geese. And because of that they wanted to be by us all the time. And so if they didn't see us for any length of time, they would break out walk to the back patio, sit outside the door, and knock on the glass door with their little bills. Well, if I was out shopping and didn't come back for two or three hours, I came back to a sea of duck poo. <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't work so well. Um, actually, the the final straw came with a fox had a taste for duck he uh took all my girls one year oh, wow. and then i got back to a nice size flock and he took both my boys the next year oh. and finally i took him <laughs> and his friend yes and um Oh, you know, hey, they were in good shape too for wild animals. Boy, mm-hmm. they were eating good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, we got rid of that problem. But we did decide that you know it would have been another four months till I could find a if I got a new male because I couldn't find an adult yeah. to breed again. And um, I found them a home down in Pittsburgh in mm-hmm. a backyard, and they have a big like a little. Kitty pool, but a big one that's like sunk in the ground, and they swim around, and they're happy cool. little girls down there. So, oh, cool. We decided to take a break from ducks because of the, the sea of poo on the back patio. Okay, yeah, no
0: wonder. Mm. No wonder. We've thought about getting ducks already. Yeah. Now, do they do they lay all year long, or do they only lay specific times?
2: Khaki Campbell's lay all year round.
0: Okay. Are they hardy? The
2: ones I got.
0: Are they hardy for the different uh, weather?
2: I didn't have any problem with them in the winter. Um, there were times they would be standing on their frozen pond quacking at it because they couldn't get it <laughs> to open up for them. <laughs> right. Uh, they would. There would be snow on the ground, and if I would pull the ice off of it, they would swim.
0: That's funny. So they, and they were
2: fine with yeah. that. They,
0: now, do the khaki Campbells give a white egg or a, or a colored egg?
2: It's a slightly not white. Okay. You know, it's mostly white. It's a slight cream color. It almost sometimes seems to have a marble in it. Okay. Mine did. Um, almost like parts were clearer than others. Okay. It was really kind of neat looking.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Now, do you have them in a coop as well? Well, you said they broke out, so they were in a coop then.
2: Yeah. They, um, my husband built a duck house at one point for them. They have been in the coop at different times. When there was only one or two, I let them stay with the chickens because, you know, they would get lonely. <laughs> uh, but mostly I would keep them up in their own area. They have a, a small coop. It's probably maybe four feet high tops. You know, it's just basically a square. Okay. Just kind of a square with a slanted tin roof and a um, ramp door. Okay. That's you know, I lift it up in the mor and at night and pull it down in the morning, and it turns into a ramp. And you know, there's not really anything in there for them. There's a little section kind of separated so they could lay, but um, you know, they don't need roosts or anything because they can't get on them. And you know, so it's just kind of like a little box. Okay. And they they loved it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, because we
0: have, I'm not going to say a pond, we have a hole that holds water (laughs) pretty much for the most, for for all year. It depends how dry it gets out here, but typically we still have water in it, and I thought that would be a great spot, and I would love, I just think they're unique to
2: watch. (laughs) Yeah, they are fun. Now, we ended up, I I started with a stock tub, a shallow one, and um, then when I got, the uh, when I got more because I only had one or two ducks at the time. When I got more ducks, we ended up with one of those uh, ornamental garden ponds. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're they're kind of I don't know. There's like two levels to them. You know, they're deeper in the middle and
0: oh sure yes.
2: And it, I think it ends up being about two and a half three feet deep, maybe. Okay. And uh, it's probably about five feet across each way. Okay. You know, and um, that was plenty of room for two big geese okay you know or like three or four ducks so that was kind of nice too because that way i i could clean that out fairly easily you know we just got a pump and would pump it out and then i would pour that on the garden and the garden would go crazy it was awesome
0: oh nice yeah i guess so awesome garden yeah
2: garden loves duck poo water
0: (laughs) of course good fertilization awesome (laughs) yeah definitely
2: and i you know i try to stick to um organic principles as as tightly as i possibly can i'm i'm a big no gmo person you know yep i um I'm, that's one of the reasons I grow so much of our our food. If I could grow more, I really would, but you know I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't want to start grinding my own you know corn or wheat or anything like that, so right. I'm kind of stuck right. yeah definitely i I try so hard to put uh as much healthy food into us as possible because he you and know, my husband travels a lot, and so when he's out, his options are really like yeah. restaurant food, and ninety percent of the time. He's like, it's just easier to drive through McDonald's. And so yeah. when he's home, I try to give him enough good stuff to counteract that a bit. Yes. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: But, yeah, the I make uh, probably everything I put on the garden comes from the chickens or, or the ducks when I had them, the water I would use. But I'd make right. compost from the chicken yep. litter and okay. the guinea litter. And... You know, that's the best for the garden, it really is. Oh, yeah. Then I don't have to put anything chemical and nasty and, you know.
0: Yeah, we do the same thing. Yeah, I don't, we, we prefer to do as much as we can ourselves, and that's the way to do it. So, awesome, awesome. But we're, we're running out of time, but Lisa, it's been really awesome having the opportunity to chat with you, and I will have links to both of your sites um, in our show notes, and um, everybody will be able to connect with you. But I figured I would give you the floor one more time to share some encouraging words with the audience.
2: Um, hmm, let's see. Well, one of the things I try to do is I try to do everything as cheap as possible, yep. and I believe that using your animals to help your garden and using your garden to help your animals, because really you put one seed in the ground and you can grow pounds and pounds of food for your animals I think um, the way I I make the two of them work together, they complement each other well. It saves us a lot of money, and um, I just feel better about what I'm putting into us and, um, you know, growing herbs for my own seasonings and medicines and just taking care of everybody as best I can and helping my community find locally sourced chicks to produce eggs for them. Yep. You know, this is just all the things I do that make me feel good about what I'm doing. Like, I'm making a difference. Yeah. I'm probably not, but I feel like I am, and that's what matters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it sounds like you are. <laughs> but,
2: you know, it's it started small, but um, once you get started, it just really starts rolling, and you start seeing so many new things that you want to try. Like, I can't wait to get a baby goat now. <laughs> so that's next. <laughs> goat milk. <laughs> um Yeah, once you start, it just starts rolling, and, um, yeah, if, if I would say anything to anyone wanting to try this is, like, just start. Just start going and keep going, and you'll look back one day and go, wow, I can't believe I'm doing all this.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome advice. And my audience hears that pretty much from everybody I have on, and I love it. I'm hoping it's getting ingrained in them and they're acting on their their desires because there is that's so true. And you will love the goat's milk. I am blessed to have... Goat's milk this year, and it is so rich and so creamy. I had a, I had to have a glass of almond milk the other day, and I was like so let down. I'm like, this is not my goat's milk. So you will, you will really enjoy that.
2: <laughs> Great, I am looking forward to it.
0: And they're a lot of fun. The goats are a lot of fun. They're very personable, so you'll you'll have a good time. But thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me, and everybody, thank you for joining us today and taking time out of your day to listen to me and to my. um, guest i really appreciate it you guys take care till next show god bless
1: you're listening to the mountain woman radio show where you will learn something new every week we hope you enjoyed the show and encourage you to join us at TreyerWilderness.com and be sure to connect with us on itunes remember your reviews on itunes are very important to us and help us reach more people just like you